Good morning. My name is Rebecca, and I'm blessed to be a part of this house. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Uh, quick reminder to silence your phone. The days are getting beautiful and cooler. Uh, recently was reminded about uh, how much God wants to be in relationship with us. And, you know, he doesn't just want the type of relationship where, you know, he wants a relationship with you now, right? Not just when we, our time on this earth is done and when, um, and, you know, sometimes uh, trying to figure out what that looks like. And uh, just a little example of that, a little snippet. So recently I hurt my back, and so generally how that has gone historically is then I'll go to the chiropractor, and about a weekend, feeling better, no big deal. And probably, you know, recently I hurt it, and it was taking a while. It was taking a while, and a little frustrating when you're uncomfortable. (laughs) And uh, then I was in prayer before church one Sunday, and the Lord spoke Philippians 4, 6 to me, where it talks about, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And, you know, oftentimes I had, you know, I had not correlated that to uh, being hurt before, you know, and so it's kind of in that moment where the Lord was kind of revealing to me that I was almost afraid that it wasn't going to get better because it had been taking a while. And so God speaks that to my heart, and yeah, I'm, I'm encouraged. I'm like, okay, Lord, no big deal. Excuse me. And then time goes on, and my back's still hurting. And I'm praying, I'm getting prayed for, and I, I go to the chiropractor, and uh, she mentions that she actually thinks it's a herniated disc, which... You know, I'm thinking, no, that's not what I was expecting. That's not what I'm looking for. And so I leave there. I go for a walk in the neighborhood, and I'm just crying, right? I'm crying from this bad report. I'm crying. And you know what? God's so good. You know, I just out of my spirit, I just began to say over and over again, I trust you, God. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. You know, through the tears, I trust you, Father. And then God speaks to me, yeah. and this is actually in Numbers, and it speaks about God's character. And I said, he is not like a man that he would lie. And God is referring to what he had already spoken to me through his word. Which, And I will tell you this, being in God's word allows you to know that it's really him speaking to you. So if you're ever questioning that, then you know, well, that's he already said that. So I know that that's true. And, man, just... We're talking about God who, and this is, I say that this is an example of relationship because it was, it was with such joy that I knew this is the relationship. You care what I care about, Father, right? 
You've got my back. And, and so this is this relationship, this day by day with whatever's going on in my life you care about, you want to be a part of, and you want to make a way. And so, uh, just be reminded of that church. God is good. He loves you. He is seated on the throne. Okay? Church, stand with me. We're going to worship God. God who is worthy of bringing everything to him, right? Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for this morning, Father. You, Father, you who we can bring everything to, Father. You who we give praise, Father, who we thank you for for the breath that we breathe, Father. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you. It is your name, Jesus, which is above every other name, and it is your name, Father, that we lift up this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to see everyone this morning. We have an exciting Sunday for you. This is, hallelujah. We're getting rid of some people. <laughs> if this is your first Sunday here, you'll find out what that means. It's, uh, it's always a good thing. Um, so if this is your first Sunday, you, you're walking in on family. And, and family uh, walking through life and dealing with things. And, and uh, with that... You know, there's, there, you know, there's, you don't always know the backstory. So, you know, what I encourage you to do is to, is to find someone who knows like they know what they, what they're talking about. Uh, and, and normally that would be elders, right? <laughs> you guys know what's going on. Um, that we actually have a, a thumb drive that we can give you that gives you the, the history, gives you the, the vision and the understanding of, of who we are. It's actually video on there. There's audio. There's some, some different things to look at. And it helps you to understand what's going on because this morning we're going to jump right into it. I'm going to give a little, little bit of background. I had to change my direction, uh, from what I was going to do specifically, but, um, but what I want to do is I want to talk about, just for very shortly, our vision. And our, our vision for the church here uh, in this church, but then also the other churches that are a part of our organization. So uh, in 1988, 1988, this church was established. This church began. And uh, Pastor Dan and Claudia Dennison... We're the, uh, the founders of that church, of this church. Amen. And they, uh, they started, and it was in the, in the, uh, Knights of Columbus, right? If I, was that right? No. Where was, the Realty World Building, the Realty World. They, you went to the Knights of Columbus, and then back to the Realty, and then to Lake Elmo, and then back to Realty, I think, and then came here, I think was the, I knew. So Realty, came up a number of times, but Knights of Columbus. But they began that church. This was the second church that Pastor Dan and Claudia started. The first one was in River Falls, Wisconsin. Uh, abundant, well, back then it was Communion of Saints Church. Communion of Saints Church. And that's where my wife and I, uh, started attending when we were in college. And, and Communion of Saints Church then has become Abundant Life Church. They changed the name in 1992. 
And the reason they changed it was that people that would come in sometimes thought it was either a Catholic church or a, uh, or a Mormon church. And uh, you'd get about a song and a half in, and they'd be see people heading out the back door. They were, they were like, we're in the wrong church here. So they thought, they thought maybe they should change it, so they changed it to Abundant Life Church, and, and it still is that today. And so then uh, um, at that time, uh, in, in 1992, Pastor Dan and Claudia uh, were uh, in the middle of bo- working both churches. They were they were pastoring the church in River Falls, and, they had, and Pastor Kevin Humphrey was was the uh, the assistant there, and and they also pastored this church, and and Rick Mann was the assistant here, and they would go back and forth, and then uh, uh, they would uh, whenever Pastor Dan and Claudia were in the other church, the assistant pastored, and so I'm just giving you a little bit of background. It's not a you know there won't be a test. Trust me, there won't be a there won't be any multiple choice or anything, but just giving you a heads up. But from the very beginning, this church had a vision to plant churches. This is, a, this is an apostolic church. It's not an apostolic in the denominational uh, viewpoint, but in the idea of the, what the Bible says is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And what did the, uh, what did the disciples do? What did the apostles do? What did the first... Uh, wave of Christianity to do. They went into all the world, all the known world at the time. And what did they do? They preached the gospel. And as they preached the gospel, they realized, hey, we need to have a place for people to fellowship and to, to come together for teaching and so on and so forth. And so they began churches. That's what they did is they, they went out, preached the gospel, and started churches. And so that continued on for, for uh, uh, you know, Thousands, a couple of thousand years. In America, you know, we have many denominations. I think I think the last time I heard was like fifteen thousand denominations. You know, and then everybody and their third cousin has a denomination, including us. So there you go. Um, but uh, um, churches were begun in in the uh, in the old west, or not even it wasn't even the before the old west. Where circuit riders would go out and they would, they would travel out into the wilderness and they would preach the gospel and do outreaches and, 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 uh, tent meetings and things like that. And then people would get saved and they went, huh, now that we have a bunch of people getting saved, we need to have a place for them to worship. And so they would establish churches. And so that continued on. And if you, you know, if you're from around here or wherever you're from, you'll know that in different communities, different organizations came through and planted a church every, every so often. They would plant a church. Um, you know, Baptist church. Every, almost every town has a Baptist church. Almost every town has a Methodist church. Almost, you know, some, some, <laughs> some towns now have three Lutheran churches. You know, I mean, the, the church, the, the town I grew up in, and uh, it was 300 people in southern Minnesota. There were three church, three Lutheran churches, and uh, you know, yeah, it just you know, depended on who was immigrating through at the time. And so, church planting is not a new thing. Obviously, church planting is is a is something that has been happening from the very beginning. Um, studies have proven. Uh, experts say that the best form of evangelism is church planting. You go into a community, you plant a church, and what happens is it, it it's, it's like, oh wait, there's something new here. 
Well, it's nothing new. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. But people see it, and they all of a sudden go, huh, I wonder what's going on there. They start paying attention, and if you do it right, you start preaching the gospel, and Pastor Dan and Claudia did it right. Uh, they, you know, the, the churches as they started, if you, if you know the, I won't go into all the history, but it was almost like overnight churches would just grow. Uh, I used to tease them that if you want to start a church, just put Pastor Dan and Claudia and a glass of water in a town, and uh, <laughs> church will start. And uh, But that idea of planting churches is nothing new. So in 2002, when I became the senior pastor, uh, the Lord led me to begin driving the St. Croix River Valley. Now, if you go way back to uh, 1994, 1994, uh, I was the youth pastor at the at Abundant Life Church, and the Holy Spirit had us uh, begin to pray with our youth group. And uh, some of those youth group members are probably still here. Angie would have been in that youth group right around in that time. Um, Jesse Cunningham, who's up, who's a pastor up at St. Croix Falls, was in that youth group, and and others. But we began to pray after youth group and pray for the church, pray for the youth group, pray for each other. Well, you know, just we would have a prayer meeting. And uh, in one of those prayer meetings, the Holy Spirit, uh, unbeknownst to me, I didn't plan on doing it, prayed through me that God would pour out His Spirit in the valley. That was the first time I remember that, and that's what I said, the valley. And I, in my mind, I, I thought Kenny Kinnick Valley. Anybody from the uh, River Falls area knows that Kenny Kinnick runs right through that area and right through the middle of town. And so my mind, I just, I, we were, I, you know, probably 400 yards from the Kenny at the time. My mind just went Kenny Kinnick River. So God, pour out your spirit in the Kenny Kinnick River and, and, uh, you know, signs and wonders and healings and all of those sort of things. And we prayed it. And I got done with that prayer. And I was like, wow, I, w- I wasn't even thinking about that. Yeah, that was the Holy Ghost, you know, just starting to pray that out. And, uh, we kept having those prayer meetings and every once in a while, not, wasn't planned. I'd, I, I would end up praying something along that line. Well, 1994, if you remember 1994, there were a number of revivals that broke out in that time period across America. The, the, uh, uh, Carpenter's Home Church revival in Lakeland, Florida, uh, was in 1994. Pastor Dan and, and I and Pastor Kevin and, and uh, Roger Bruin went down there and we were going to go golfing and the Holy Ghost broke out. And uh, we well, actually, to tell you the honest truth, we went to go to the meetings and we said, if they're boring, we'll go golfing. And uh, we, we did a lot more revival meeting than golfing uh, during that week and uh, basically changed our lives and, and God moved. But out of, out of that revival, also the Toronto blessing happened and, and others afterwards uh, happened. And so God was moving and the idea of revival was was absolutely forefront in the the mind of the church, uh, not our not just our church, but church countrywide, worldwide. And so I began to study revivals. I began to study, read all the books, everything I could find about revivals, and started reading about Smith Wigglesworth, and started reading about Finney, and reading about the the uh, the reformer, not the well the reformers too, but but the uh, the the Great Awakening ministers and and people that um, led revivals in in America and in Europe, um, 
And so I began to you know, read these uh, revival stories, but also watching for what, what, how do revivals work. Not, not that we're trying to get a formula, but you know, God, God is a God of, of pattern. He's not a, a God of random. He, God has a plan. He has a purpose. So I started looking for that. And the more I studied, the more excited I got. Because there were some just regular, normal, average, boring people who prayed for revival and God did it. Nobodies. I mean, they weren't all great ministers, known ministers at the time. Some of them were just people who decided, you know what, we want to see God move in our community. We want God to change things. And they began to pray and and you know, and there were actually men and women who would pray, "God, give us the whole city. Give us the whole city. God, give us the whole county. Give us everybody in the county. Lord, we want everybody in the county. Lord, give us, give us." There was even some wild ones who say, "Lord, give us the whole country. Give us Scotland, or let me die." Who said that? John Knox. John Knox. Give us the whole area. Give us, give us Wales. Father, give us Wales. And God gave them Wales. Evan Williams, Evan Roberts, Evan Roberts, Wales, the Welsh Revival. The Welsh Revival began by Evan Roberts and a bunch of teenagers praying. A bunch of teenagers praying, saying, God, give us Wales. Every, everybody. Give us everybody in the country. Give us the whole country. They prayed and they prayed. They, they kept meeting week after week and praying for a revival in Wales. And one day there was a knock on the door. And they went over and they opened the door and there was a man standing outside and he goes, I need to be saved. They didn't know him. They had never seen him before. He came in. He got saved. They said, okay, what was that all about? And he goes, I was walking past this house and all of a sudden, I fell to the ground. And I heard a voice say, go over to that house. You need to be saved. That's how the Welsh revival started. It swept the whole country. They, they, all, many reports say that every single person in that country got saved. There was even warnings. Don't go to Wales. <laughs> if you go to Wales, you're going to get saved. People would go, yeah, whatever, and they'd go to Wales on business, they'd get saved. The Spirit of God was being poured out. Why? Because some people just said, you know what? Why not our place? Why not us? Why not our country? Why not our state? Why not, why not our region? So the Lord led us to pray that way and prayed that way from 1994, off and on, every once in a while, so on, as the Lord led 2002, I became the senior pastor, and during that time, 2001, 2002, 2003, we began a prayer meeting in the city hall here in, in uh, Stillwater. That, that prayer meeting went on for 17 years, every Wednesday at noon for 17 years. The only reason it stopped was that the, they closed the door for COVID in 2020. We prayed every Wednesday, and we were in the middle of one of those prayer meetings in about 2003, 2004 sometime, 
And all of a sudden, just by the Holy Spirit, because we were praying for Stillwater, we were praying for businesses, we were praying for the community, we were praying for, for people to get saved, of course. But during one of those prayer meetings, the Holy Spirit began to move again, and, and uh, I just started praying out for revival. Praying out for revival in the river, River Valley. The, and at, by that point, it had progressed to the St. Croix River Valley, all the way from Solon Springs to Prescott. God, pour out your Spirit. Signs and wonders, healings, manifestations of power, uh, re, you know, returning people, the, the lost, the, the people who had been saved, returning them back to families and back into the kingdom. Praying for revival in this whole area that the name of Jesus Christ would be lifted up. I was praying that and it just came out of me. I wasn't like I planned it, you know, I didn't, I just, it just, as, the, as we prayed, it would just come out of me. After that prayer meeting, a woman walked up to me. Never seen her before, because there was a lot of people coming that I didn't know. Woman walked up, big smile on her face, and she goes, Oh, that's so exciting that you're praying out the prophecy. And I said, Great. I have no idea what you're talking about, you know? She goes, Oh, come on, you do too. She goes, You prayed, you just prayed out the prophecy. And I said, Ma'am, I don't know what you're talking about. And she goes, well, of course you do. She goes, you almost prayed it out word for word the way the prophecy was given. And I said, ma'am, I'm just being honest with you. I, I don't know anything what you're talking about. And she goes, next week I'll bring it. And she brought me a piece of paper and on this piece of paper. And I could read it, but I, I, I usually get too emotional reading it, so I'll just kind of give you the gist. The idea is 1948, there were two different evangelistic meetings. Two different missionaries came into town. One was in Luck, Wisconsin. That was the first one. Later on that year, there was one in Rice Lake. Two different missionary groups. They didn't know each other. Neither of these people, neither of these groups knew each other, uh, the, the missionaries. But there was a couple who was at both meetings. And in those meetings, they, the, the missionaries prophesied over this area. And they prophesied that just before Jesus returns, a revival would break out in the St. Croix River Valley. And it would start by at the headwaters, which is Solon Springs. It would start at the headwaters, and it would travel all the way down the river, and it would expand 100 miles in both directions. Whole areas, whole cities. One for Christ. Whole areas returned to biblical living. People saved. People uh, uh, healed. People filled with the Holy Ghost. Pe- finances restored. Godly finances restored. And it would continue and it would keep expanding all the way until Jesus returned. Well, I read that and got excited and put it in my Bible and thought, well, okay, we'll see. So that was 2003, 2004, kept praying that. Shortly after that, the Holy Spirit led me to, to start driving the valley and praying that prayer. Not, the, not praying the prophecy. You don't pray prophecies. You pray, you pray Holy Spirit prayers. And just, so I just started driving the valley. You know, and that's, it's a tough job. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a beautiful valley. Lots of seed, you know, as you're driving. A lot of good coffee shops, great eating places. <laughs> I could, I could, 
we'll be out and about, and my my wife will go, oh, that looks like a nice restaurant. I said, oh, they got great food there, you know. And she goes, have you been in every restaurant in the valley? Almost, I'm working on it. But just driving the valley, driving, driving, the, you know, praying, you know, just praying for revival. I was not praying for church planting. That wasn't what I was praying for. I was praying for revival in the St. Croix River Valley. Driving it. That's what the Lord was. He, the Lord led me. He said, start driving the valley. As time went on, I started reaching, I started knowing I was supposed to be more on the Wisconsin side praying, and I ended up in Somerset, Wisconsin. This was about 2005, maybe a little bit later. Started, ended up in, in Somerset, Wisconsin. And if you remember back in 2005, people who are from around here, uh, you know, and from this area, remember the, uh, the Apple River in 2005. Yeah, I see, I see eyebrows going, ooh, yeah, yeah. Some of you were there. Okay, you know, and, and, and uh, you, I'm sure it's under the blood by now and everything, but, but it was pretty wild. Somerset was a wild place. I mean, it was a wild town, kind of, you know, crazy. And, uh, started praying there. And uh, there was the the usual older churches that were there, and and so on, and that was great. I started ending up, and I would pray there sometimes two 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 days a week. I'd end up in Somerset and pray. Started praying in the park. Started driving around town. Started sitting in different places and praying. And over two years, for a period of two years, prayed there. And one day it just stopped. By the time it stopped, I knew there was supposed to be a church there. I just knew it. And I was thinking, we were supposed to start it, and, and I was thinking, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, we're only, what, 15, 10, 15 miles from here. It doesn't make any sense. Why would we go start a church over there? And, and, I, and number, number two, I don't know how to start a church. I don't know how to plant a church. I don't know anything about this. I mean, Pastor Dan does, but they were traveling the world at that time. I didn't, they were busy. So I kept praying, but one day it stopped. It just like, and I was getting ready to drive, and it was like, don't go. You're, that's it, you're done. And I thought, man, did I miss something? Did I, did I screw something up? Did I, Lord, did I offend you or whatever? Cause it just ended. It just stopped. And he said, nope, you're done. And I was like, okay, I'm done. So I just quit driving to Somerset. A couple of weeks later, I was at a, at a pastor's meeting, uh, ecumenical pastor's meeting. I was sitting across the table from a friend of mine, um, friend who had had a church here in town at that time was about 14 years. He'd had a church. They never had a building. They were renting a, a, a building from a liberal church uh, who didn't have services at, at the times they wanted to have services. And so he was there. That church had uh, grown, fallen, grown, you know, expanded, retracted a number of times. And uh, by this point, I had known him for a number of years. And uh, we were talking. I said, "I said, well, how's it going, Bill?" And he goes, "Not very good, John." He goes, "I'm, I'm thinking about shutting the church down." And I said, "No, Bill." I said, "God doesn't want churches to shut down. He wants churches to expand and to, to more churches." He's like, "Yeah." He says, "We've just been battling this, and the, the building that really isn't conducive to having a church like ours, and it's just getting harder and harder to be here." Yeah, I think we're just going to be done. And I said, no, I, Bill, I, and I don't like, I don't tell people what to do, except my kids, but I don't tell people what to do. And, but I, but I said, Bill, I said, I don't believe God wants to shut your church down. I don't believe he wants you to shut your church down. 
He's like, well, I don't have any other choice. So there's nothing else. There's nowhere else you can go. There's nothing else you can do. And he goes, well, he says, like, one of the guys in our church lives over in Somerset, and he's got a building he said we could use for free. And it just exploded in me. And I just, I, I said, Bill, you need to move your church to, to Somerset. And he goes, really? Why? And I said, man, I've been praying for Somerset for two years. God wants a church there. And he's going, well, okay, uh, we'll try it. And at that time, they had about 12, 14 people in their church, faithful people, good people. And he goes, well, we'll try it. So that couple Sundays later, they move over. It was a warehouse. It was, it was a warehouse when they first moved in. They didn't have any chair. They didn't have any chairs that matched. It looked, when I went in, he said, hey, come on over and, and uh, look at the church and we're going we're gonna to have service the next Sunday. I went in and I think they had six different kinds of chairs in the room and, a, and an old wooden rickety pulpit that they, somebody had found or whatever. And I said, okay, here's the deal, Bill. I said, we've got a hundred chairs up in our attic. Like these are the chairs. I said, we've got a hundred chairs up there that we're not using and we have a pulpit that's up there that nobody's using. You can have them. You can have them. And he's like, oh. And so we, we gave him the chairs, we gave him the pulpit, and we gave him some money. We, we just had, you know, at that time we didn't have much money, but we gave, we gave him, you know, as much as we could and said, you know, we're, we're behind you. But he went and, and did this. One year later, that church, when, it, when they moved over there, it was 14 people. One year later, it was 100 people. God wanted a church there. That church continued on until he retired. Uh, he's now retired. He's in his, I think he's in his 80s, I think. Yeah, he's in his 80s. And But in that time, they established Bible schools all over the world. I think they've got 35 or 40 Bible schools in villages in Africa and India and all. I mean, look what God has done. Now I'll speed this up. After that, I began to drive the valley again. And the Holy Spirit led me to, to St. Croix Falls. And at that point, the Holy Spirit said, you're going to start a church in St. Croix Falls. And I was like, who's going to start a church in St. Croix Falls? And he goes, you are. You are. And I was like, I don't know how. I don't know how. I can't do this. I don't know what I'm doing. No, no, don't make me do this. I'm being honest here. I was a chicken. No, don't, man. I said, I, I can't do it, Lord. God, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I said, how do we do it? Then he goes, have Pastor Dan do it. By then, they weren't traveling as much. And so we put Pastor Dan and Claudia and a glass of water in St. Croix Falls. <laughs> and I think, what, the third or fourth week, there were 85 people in that church and blowing and going, and that church still exists. And from there, the Holy Spirit said the next one's going to start different, and we started one in Rush City. That was in Rush City for about six months, then they moved it to another town. That church was in Grandy and was there for many, many years. That church ended, ended up closing, but we sold the building to another church that's already in the area, just like ours. You read their statement of faith, it's our statement of faith. We, we gave them a good deal. They bought the building from us, and they're now over a hundred and some, 115, 120 people. From there, we helped a, a Hispanic church that was had been kicked out of their building, and they met here for five years. We helped them run and establish. From there, 
2017. So then there was a long period of time. There was a long period where we didn't do anything. And I just, I, I thought we were done. I, I thought I wasn't getting any leading to even drive the valley. I wasn't getting any leading to start any churches. And I thought, okay, we're done. I thought that was, well, whew, we did great. Now I can rest, you know, and relax. And in 2016, we were going to be uh, do a, a mission trip to Poland in 2017. And uh, we've been praying about that, planning it, and so on and so forth. And as I, as I prayed, I, I felt led to ask Pastor John Moe. Many of you now know who Pastor John Moe is. He's a, he, at the time, they were pastoring a church in Indianola, Iowa. He had been pastoring down there for 20 years. Felt like we were supposed to... I, I've done many mission trips with him. I've traveled Europe a number of times with him on different, uh, d- different outreaches. So I just felt led to, to ask for him to go on this mission trip. And I called him up and I said, hey, you know, we're going on a mission trip. I've, I've been praying about it and I keep getting your name. Why don't you come? And he goes, no, I don't think so. I was like, oh, I was praying about it. I think you should, I think you should pray about it. Okay, I'll pray about it. And I called him a few days. Nope, I'm not coming. So I kept praying. Long story short, kept praying, kept getting his name, called him up. And I said, I think you're supposed to come with us on this mission trip. I can't get it out of my heart. And he goes, nah, we're not coming. He says, we're too busy, too much going on. That went back and forth two, three times. And he finally said, okay, what are you going to do in Poland? And I said, well, a friend of ours is from Minsk, Belarus. He's moved into uh, Poland. He got out of Minsk or he got out of Belarus. He's established a church there. His heart is to raise up leaders and start Slavic-speaking churches across Europe. A lot of people are getting out of Russia, getting out of Minsk, getting out of Ukraine now, and going into the rest of Europe, but they're, they, they live very cloistered lives. They don't usually learn the language, they, they, they stay very close, and his heart was to start churches in these communities. When I shared that, Pastor John says, hang on, let me call you right back. He calls me back a few hours later and says, we're coming. I was like, okay, what changed? He said, you said church planting. And he goes, God's been telling us we're supposed to be a part of a church planting movement. I said, that's awesome. He goes, yeah. He says, actually, he says, we're actually going to a church planting conference in January. You should come with us. And I said, no, I'm not coming. <laughs> I didn't want to go to a church planting conference. We, we've planted churches, okay? I, I don't want to go to a church planting conference. And he said, well, you should pray about it. I said, yeah, okay, I'll pray about it, you know? Three, four phone calls over the next couple of weeks. Finally, the Holy Spirit said, are you going to ask me if I, if you, if I want you to go? And I said, oh, sure, sure, okay, yeah, so. Lord, do you want me to go? He said, yeah. <laughs> so I ended up going to that church planting conference and, and uh, was sitting there and I was in a terrible mood. I tell this story. I, I now am, I now am a, a master trainer for their organization. I can, I've, I've trained in San Diego and Iowa and Wisconsin and Minnesota. I've tra- I do these trainings all over. I do them on Zoom now uh, around the world. We just did one uh, with people in South America and the Philippines and I was, I was one of their trainers. But at the time, I didn't want to be there and I had a horrible attitude. Sitting in the back row. So anybody sitting in the back row, I know why you're there. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But I was in a bad mood, and, and, and all of a sudden they said, they make a statement, a, a healthy church should be able to plant a, a daughter church every two years. 
And at that point, I was like, I'm done with this. Because I know how hard it is to plant churches and to, for a church to plant a church every two years, I just like, I was like, no. You know, you can say that all you want, but give me some facts. I want to know. I, so I raised my hand and the gentleman says, oh, yes. You have a question? I said, who? And he goes, who, what? And I said, who's doing it? Give me a name. Give me one name. Give me somebody. Give me an organization. Tell me who's planting churches like that. And he got a big smile on his face, and he says, well, you got me. I don't know of anybody personally in America, but in the rest of the world, they're doing it over and over and over. And he had me. He had me because we've been in Hungary that year in 2016. I watched six churches start in a matter of a year. I mean, just boom, boom. And so so this town called Uska had got had, had was on fire. Revival was happening there. Some people that w- went from there and they walked to the next town six miles away, shared the gospel, and they had a half a dozen people get saved. And that half a dozen got another dozen saved. And by the time all of a sudden there's a there's a you know eighteen people there, but they don't have cars, so they, it's really hard for them to get back here. So they started a church, and the oldest member, who was probably about six months old of, as a Christian, became the pastor. And that church exploded. That church started getting on fire. And then, then somebody from that church walked to the next, next town and they preached. And the same thing happened. It happened six times that year. We, we visited them in 2016. So he had me. I was like, yeah, okay, but that's Europe or that's Africa. And the Holy Spirit says, really? So, okay. So then I started paying attention. We had to do this project. We had to do a project during this conference, and, and we were doing this project, and I didn't like it. I was in a bad mood, and blah, 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 you know, usual. And we get to the day of the presentation, and there's five other people that pre- you have to present. It's a 10-minute presentation. This is how we will use this curriculum, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting listening to these other people share. And the Holy Spirit began to convict me. He said, what are you going to do with this? And I was like, oh, jeez. I don't know. What am I going to do with this? I said, okay, Lord, what am I going to do with this? And he says, I want you to have a network of 24 churches by 2027. This was 2017. I want you to have a network. I want you to plant and have a network of 24 churches by 2027. And I just sat there and started laughing. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. 24 churches in 10 years. I was like, no, come on. And the Holy Spirit said, I didn't tell you to start the revival. I told you to get ready for it. When God pours out His Spirit, and it's already begun. The revival has already begun. Just so you know, it has already begun. I'm seeing it all the time. As this continues to grow and build, when whole cities are saved, we need more churches. We need more churches who are preaching the truth, preaching, preaching the kingdom, preaching uh, that God is good and that He heals and that He He saves and He, he provides. And we we need churches, much like we saw with the the circuit rider, where they would just go plant churches systematically, and you'd have Baptist churches and Lutheran churches and Methodist churches strewn across the country, 
That's what God has shown us to do. And, and since 2017, at that time we had uh, three churches. And now, after this week, and after next week or the week after, we just, I just looked at all the paperwork to, to adopt a church in, in Bethel. Pastor Nathan. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, there's names. Nathan Arden. Nathan is the pastor up there now, and he's he's already leading up there. But they're they're officially coming into us. We'll have seven. We'll have seven churches after the next couple of weeks. So God's moving. You're going well. We're over halfway to 2027. That's the rest of the story. Last week, two weeks ago, we were in uh, Colorado at a minister's conference and. Andrew, Andrew Womack was teaching on don't limit God. And I said, halfway through his sermon, I was like, okay, okay Lord, am I limiting you? And he was like, of course you are. You know? <laughs> Duh. You know? You're a human. You know, we all limit, you know. We, I said, am I limiting? He goes, yes. And I said, how am I limiting you? And he goes, your vision's too small. You're believing too small. I was like, Okay, 24 churches in 10 years. That's pretty big. And I was like, okay. We're not even halfway yet. We're over halfway in this. I said, what, what, what's the deal? He goes, next year, you'll be at 12. And I was like, we're only, at this time, we're only at five. I'm thinking 12. He goes, well, it's seven. There's going to be seven in two weeks. Okay, I got that. And he goes, by the end of next year, you'll be 12. And I was like, you're kidding me. I said, where? How? Who? What? How? I don't, I don't get it. And he goes, just watch. In a week and a half, in a week and a half, I've had four people call me and say, will you help us start a church? Four people. Twelve may be too small. <laughs> I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? Look what God's doing systematically taking the gospel step by step. In, we're going to let him do his vision. Amen? Yeah. So turn with your Bibles. Finally getting to get to some scripture. I wanted to give you that background. We've been, I've been teaching a series called What Are You Going to Do About It? What are you going to do about it? And we've been using the verse out of John 15, 14, John 14, where Jesus said in verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. What did Jesus do? He began a kingdom. But through his obedience, he died, he rose again, he, he paid for sin, but he began a kingdom. And that kingdom, he said, is it is forcefully advancing and forceful people lay hold of it. People who don't sit on their hands, people who don't 
sit on their laurels, people who don't rest and, and say, you know, I mean, it's good to rest, but it's also you, you can rest to the point of, of, of inactivity. Forceful people say, okay, God, where am I limiting you? And then just do whatever he says to do. It's his deal. It's his kingdom. It's not mine. It's not, you know, long time ago, I, I quit taking responsibility for this. That also means I don't take any glory for it either. Who, who gets the glory for this? Jesus does. He's the one. God gets the glory. Look what he has done. I couldn't do any. We couldn't do any of this. But we with him can do all things as he strengthens and leads us. Amen? So we're just walking this out. Turn to Acts. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, begin with verse 1. It says, Now there were in the, in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Verse 2, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for, for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and sent them off. It's good to send. It's good to send. In the churches that we've begun, we have a church in Prescott, we have a church in New Richmond, we have a church in St. Croix Falls, we have a church in east side of St. Paul. We're now going to have a church in Lindstrom. We're going to have a church in Bethel, Minnesota. In every one of these churches, it takes people to not only establish them, but to serve in them and to work week after week. And one of the things we've said for the last five years is that it's, there, there, there's look at yourself. Look at what God's called you and who God's called you to be. Because He's going to use you. He's going to use me. He's going to use us. And since that time, we've sent a lot of people. We've sent people out to be a part of those ministries and not just to go out for a few days or a few weeks. Some people have done short term, but most people have just gone. And I remember early on, after about the first or second year, somebody said, if we send all of our people out to the other churches, what's going to happen to this church? <laughs> And we're seeing that today. We're seeing that every day now here. The more people we send to go start another church, the more people that come in. So for all of you new folks, you're a fulfillment of the Word of God. <laughs> you're a fulfillment of the promise of God. But He's brought you here for a purpose. And that purpose is to grow up, to get built up, to feed, to, to, to get stronger, to, to build skills, to build anointings, and then let God take you where He wants to take you. We've sent some of our best people. The very first one we sent was Jesse Cunningham. He was our drummer extraordinaire. And he went, he went to Bible school, and then he... Felt like God was leading him to, to minister somewhere. And I said, you want to, how about St. Croix Falls? And he goes, leave here. I said, yep. And now he's the pastor of that church. God has a plan. We will never run out of people. I guarantee you. 
Just pure numbers. Just pure numbers. Since 2019, since we, the, the, we had to do some numbers for the whole road thing and talk about how, how this church has been operating and so on and what, what our size is. Since 2019, December of 2019 to December of 2022, this church grew by 40%. Sunday mornings grew by 40%. I know churches that no longer exist that close their doors. Wednesday nights, Wednesday nights have grown by over 90%. God is doing this systematically. So as we send, as we sow, we will reap. Amen? One last set of verses. Well, not actually not last, because we're going to do something different, but... In, for this. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain of to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have done, I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. And when they did that, they needed to plant churches. So we're on a church planting mission. We're in a church planting vision. I was talking to somebody recently. And they were asking about what we're doing here. Somebody who doesn't live around here, they're, 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 in the, they're from the south. They're from, they're from Arizona. They were one of the people that reached out to us recently and said, we heard about what you're doing. Can we ask some questions? And I started, they said, tell us about your vision. We shared about what God's done so far over these five years. Because it's more than just planting churches. We've established an organization. We've, We've had over 35 people from this church go through Bible school. Two year Bible school with a degree. Some even went on and are going to do third year. God is building His kingdom. So I started sharing what, what God's been doing, and he sat back, and this guy sat back, and he goes, that is so exciting to talk to somebody who's actually seen the kingdom of God work in their lives, growing, moving, because it doesn't happen everywhere. But praise God, <laughs> we're just crazy enough to, to walk it out. Just crazy enough to do it. So, to the business of today. Well, oh, I got to do it in this order. I was going to do it in a different order. Two years ago, actually, it was a little bit more. It was during COVID. It was 2023 years ago. January of 21. So that is only two and a half years. Two and a half years ago, Nathaniel and C and their family came here during the week devoted to God. Week devoted to God coming up in January. Put it on your calendars. First full week of January. We spend time in prayer. We have Holy Ghost meetings every night. They were coming and being a part of that, and we were sitting having lunch. Nathaniel came up to me, and he's holding a piece of paper that had our vision on it. And he goes, are you planting churches? And I said, yes, we are. And he goes, I've always felt like I was supposed to plant a church, be a pastor and plant a church. I said, well, then stick around. Two and a half years later, here we are. 
they've been a year ago, a little over a year ago, he came to me and he said, I think I know we're supposed to plant a church in north of here, up, up by Forest Lake, north of Forest Lake and Chisago Lakes, uh, Lindstrom, Center City, somewhere in that area. I said, do you know exactly where? He goes, no, not, not yet. And I said, then you pray until you do. Pray until you know what's going on. Pray until you're, you're confident. And a year later, he came back, he goes, I know where it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be Lindstrom, and this is the name of the church. Lord gave him the name of the church. And I said, all right, let's start moving. And that was a few months ago that we began to move in this direction. But Nathaniel has been training, Nathaniel NC, and their whole family have been training for years. They've helped start how many? Three churches. In one in, in uh, uh, El, uh, help me, Eau Claire, Hudson, and Orono. Helped uh, Pastor Mac Hammond, Mac and Lynn Hammond from Living Word, helped in those church plants. So they're, they're not novices when it comes to church planning. He's graduated from the first year of Bible school, right? The, the Living Word Bible School. So he has a degree under, uh, under his belt. And thirdly, when you hear his voice, he has the voice of a pastor. Man, when I heard it the first time, I was like, this guy, I didn't know anything else about him. But there's so much more. Can I have Nathaniel and C come up, please? Let's give him a warm welcome. Now, up to this point, he, they've been serving, they've been helping, they've been, you know, lay leaders. People in, in the church, they, it's called lay leaders. And now, they've also been on our elder team now for over a year and been very faithful, extremely felt faithful. But today, we're actually going to license Nathaniel as a minister of the gospel. So that's step one. And so, I have a certificate here, which you'll get in just a second, because you aren't one yet, but you will be. <laughs> but I want to read this, because we don't, we, don't, uh, we don't hand these out randomly. There's reasons and purposes. 1 Timothy 3, 1 says, "...this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of an overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach." Okay, good, good. The husband of one wife. One, just one. (laughs) Sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well if you know his kids. Their kids. Because I'm sure it's C, actually, who did all of that. (laughs) with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he, be, how will he care for, the, for God's church? He must not be a recent convert. Or he, he may become puffed up with conceit and, ta- and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of of outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace into the snare of the devil." I'm going to stand here before you today and tell you they meet this, these requirements. Every one of them. And so this morning, I want to pray for you. And I want to establish 
Nathaniel as a minister of the gospel, but especially in the area of pastor. Now, I've had this on my heart. Pastor Dan and Claudia, would you come up and join us? Can somebody help them, please? Can you, you, it, it is a great honor. A great honor to have them pray for you and to be a part of this prayer. So I'm going to stand behind you here. And I want them to stand in front of you. And if you join with us as we pray. Hallelujah. Father God, I thank you so much for Nathaniel and C. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for their service. I thank you for their hearts. Lord, we know, I know, we know that these two are called by you to serve the body of Christ in many ways, but now from this day forward as a pastor. Lord, I thank you that as they take these steps, as they move forward with your call, I thank you, Father, that everything they put their hands to prospers. Everywhere that their feet go is blessed. That no weapon formed against them, their family, their church, their people, none of it prospers in Jesus' name. Father, we do in this in this service right now, Lord, I establish and I bestow upon him the authority of a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ and a pastor in the office of the pastor. They are established. Thank you for this, Father. Fill them with every gift, every, every anointing, every power, every authority that they'll need moving forward. Lord, I thank you that your word says that they, that you have given them everything they'll need for life and godliness. Bless them, Father. And Lord, I thank you for them and we thank you for them in Jesus' name. Would you guys pray? Let me, let me grab a, a microphone. I got, I got it. God's anointing to shepherd the sheep. Or I the Lord your God would say, open your mouth, son, and I will fill it. Yes, amen. Open your mouth, daughter, and I will fill it. For the words which come forth from the throne of God shall accomplish what I desire through you. Be not confused, for it's not important what you do for me, but what you allow me to do through you. shall prosper the church the community and my will shall be done amen they shall come forth many 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 shall come to know 
me as their Savior and Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. The Lord himself is upon you and within you and let him flow out of you and that in truth is your full and saving grace. The grace that causes all men to bow their knee. Yes. In Jesus' name. And great and mighty and marvelous and many miracles yes. shall be wrought by my Spirit to you, in you, and through you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I want to introduce you, Pastor and Mrs. Nathaniel Johnson. Now I'll give this to you. There you go. Congratulations. Thank you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Now, what I'd like to do is to take that back from you and uh, set it over here. Could I have their team, everybody who's going to be going with them, uh, whether it's full-time or temporary or however it is, have you guys come up and stand with them? Why don't you guys come up behind them? Like you guys stay right there. Yep, you just could be on that next step there. And Andrew and Katie Penning are gonna go. And Hallelujah! And their growing family. Hallelujah! And they are. Uh, Katie's gonna be the worship leader up there. And uh, Andrew is going to be uh, taking care of his children and, 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 and other things. So uh, they're going to be part of that. I know there's some others who are going to be helping out at different times and in part-time, and I know they're not here today, but that'll go on. What we want to do is we want to pray for this team. Amen? As they establish. And then I'm going to give the microphone to Nathaniel, which could be a really dangerous. But we're going to do that. Anyone who wants to come and pray for them, come on up right now. Come up really quick. We're going to come up because here's the deal. It's the body of Christ. We send them. They don't just go. They don't just go. We send them in the authority and the power and the anointing of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank You so much for this, this opportunity to, to start new, to start uh, another work in the town of Lindstrom. Thank You, Father, for Outpost Church being firmly established.
firmly moving in the fullness of the authority and power of God. Father, I thank You for this family, these two families and others who are going to be going. And as they go, Lord, we pray that everything they have need of is met. Thank You, Lord. The provision, Your blessing upon them is exceedingly abundantly great. Thank You, Lord. More than they could ever hope, think, or ask. Thank You, Father. And Lord, we do. We once again pray for protection around them that no weapon formed against them prospers. Thank You for them, Father. And Lord, we bless them as we send them out. They're not going out without anyone behind them. Lord, we're all behind them. We're all with them. We all stand with them. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank You, Lord. What we'll do is we'll, have, we'll give you time to give them hugs here in just a little bit. But I do want to give Nathaniel the, the microphone. And let him share what's on his heart. Praise God. I thought it was... It was just fitting that you went to Acts chapter 13. Um, I remember when I was probably 20 years old, I was two years in at, at Living Word Christian Center, and I was really on fire, really excited, really young, really naive, and uh, I sent a letter all the way to the senior pastor, gave it to his wife to pass off to him, and 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 I had written out this whole vision about I'm going to go out. We're going to start a church. This is going to happen. And uh, I just all I all I wanted was his, was his blessing on it. And um, and I got nothing. I got nothing back. I heard nothing. And in the meantime, my whole little plan started falling apart, and and it just kind of kind of crumbled. And and then finally, I caught up with the pastor. At a, at a membership class, and I said, yeah, you got that, I'm sorry, you know, this doesn't seem to be working. And he took me to Acts 13. He opened his Bible, he went right to Acts 13, he said, look, you know, there's a, and he read the verses to me, and he said, there's a, you know, you may have been called to this from your mother's womb, or from a long, long time ago, but there's a calling, and then there's a separation unto ministry, and in between those two is, is preparation. Uh, that's, that's what he said. Last September, uh, you called me up and the Holy Ghost said, I'm separating you to the ministry. And the word was there's a calling and then there's a separation and then there's an, and then there's an installation. But, it, it, you know, it, it knocked me back and humbled me a little bit when I, I think I needed some humility. And, but from that point, I just took the attitude that, you know what? I'm a growing boy and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to learn. And years go by, but God is faithful and He's bringing, bringing everything full circle, really helping us. I know there was a church meeting that I was at where there was an apostle uh, speaking. He had he had been invited in as a as a guest minister, and then he took some questions at the end of his time, 
And I asked him, I said, is it necessary for an apostle to be present and unseen when you start a church? And he said, well, no. But if you've got one, there's an added blessing. And that's what we've got here. I mean, God's given me the best of everything. And to be here in this time, to, you know, I mean, just these years, right before Jesus comes back, when we're expecting revival, when it's, it's all coming in, so blessed, so excited. I mean, God's every desire of my heart, the Lord's bringing it to pass. I'm so thankful for for our, the, the Penning family, uh, you know, I, I get not only um, an anointed worship leader, but she's got tons of experience. Um, anybody else that's going to be helping, y'all are welcome to visit us at any point. Um, oh, and Chisago uh, City, it's it, Lindstrom, you know, it's, it's special. They talk about things coming full circle again. Back in August of 1992, we were visiting my grandparents. My grandparents lived in Chisago City. They're buried up there right now, across from the Lutheran Church in Chisago Memorial Park. But um, they, um, I, was, I had just graduated from high school. I was preparing to come down here to go to college. And I had heard... Uh, about living word through the television ministry. Wanted to go visit. Found a connection. Planned on going. Grandpa let me borrow his Chrysler Caravelle. And I drove it from Chisago all the way down and across town to Brooklyn Park, 50 miles or so, to, to, um, check out this, this new church. You know, I mean, I discovered a whole new part of the body of Christ a whole new stream of ministry, a whole new way of, of connecting in the kingdom of God and, and doing things. And for, for years gone by, I've been completely settled on the calling, which is to, to pastor a church, but the question on my heart was where? And I suppose back in, well, there was a day back in 2019, probably the summer of 19, I even started driving that way between here and and uh, wound up in, in Rice Lake. But every little town I go through, my heart's telling me, this place needs a good church. This place needs a good church. This place needs a good church. And uh, I found the places where my grandpa Milton had, had pastored over there, drove by the, the house, whatever. Um, but it was... Um, yeah, bringing me, you know, I, I didn't know, like, God, where where would this be? And since I came here, and then, you know, God's helping us, and, and in the last year, all that came clear, and and it once again bringing me full circle all the way back to right where I borrowed his car to 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 come on down. So, so God is God is faithful. I'm very excited. Look forward to um, changes in in my heart. I've been under so many, you know, I've I've been under such good pastors over the years, and I seek to honor every one of them, starting with my dad. And uh, thank you for being here. And I'm done.
generation pastor. Third generation pastor. So praise God. It's not just the voice, man. You know, there's, there's a lot more there too. So glory to God. So we're excited for what God's doing and, uh, you'll be hearing more good reports as we move along. I'm going to turn this over to offering and announcements and we'll close out the service. All right. It's kind of, kind of hard to follow, but I'll try. Just as a, a side note, uh, a number of us in, in August were in Uska. And we were at a crusade in Hungary, and we got to see some of the fruit and the growth of what's happened since 2017. There were there were over 600 people there. A number of people got saved and baptized. So the fruit remains in the Uskari of Hungary. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about tithes. I, I mentioned the types of offerings, tithes, offerings, and alms. Mentioned that the tithe goes to the storehouse, normally where you're fed, etc., etc. So today I'm just going to say a few words about what offerings are. There are a number of offerings that were in the Old Covenant, and the purpose was for sacrifice and relating to the sin nature and righteousness to restore our standing with God, right? Well, Jesus took all of our unrighteousness, He took all of our sin, He took all of the burden that we carried on his body on the cross, right? So the old bloody sacrifices, the grain sacrifices, those were all done away with on the cross, praise God, because you start reading about some of those sacrifices and gross, right? Well, that doesn't mean that the concept of offering is done away with in the new covenant, right? We have the opportunity to provide investments into the kingdom of God for the missions, ministries, churches. You know, it takes money to preach the gospel. It takes money to keep a church. But um, it's not the amount that we give, right? It's the purpose that we give in our heart and how we relate to it with our relationship with God. I believe that the offerings are a real exposure to the concepts of sowing and reaping, of seed time and harvest. We invest in the kingdom of God and we see a return because it's God's principle, right? God doesn't need our money. God created it all, right? He's the source of our income. He's the source of everything good in our life. So he doesn't need it. What he wants is our obedience and our trust. And so with offerings, we can show how we trust Him and be obedient. In Luke 6.38, it says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. God is a God of order, right? He will return to us so that we have the opportunity to continue to invest in the kingdom of God. Faith is a verb, right? Grace is God's provision activated by our faith and action in our giving. As I said, God doesn't need our money. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your need, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your need from the glorious riches 
which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Right? This is our relationship with God. This is part of our relationship with God. Sending people out, supporting those who've gone out. So today, and so it happens, we have a wonderful opportunity to sow into the ministry of a new congregation, a new outreach into an area that God is going to bring the people in because God wants people saved more than we want people saved. Amen? So um, if it's on your heart to give to this new ministry, please, on your giving, online, envelope, etc., etc., you can designate it to Outpost Church, and it will get there. Amen? All right, so Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you've given us everything that we need for life and godliness. You've given us everything good in our lives. And Father, you, your promises are yes and amen. And your promise is that you will return to us what we sow in greater measure because you can trust us. And Father, we ask your blessing on every gift and every giver. In Jesus' name, amen.